0: Howdy, folks. This is good old JR Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report, and I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. The Ross Report is sponsored in part this week by DDP Yoga. Ladies and gentlemen, you already know what WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga has done to help thousands of people all over the world. But now, old Dallas has done it again. DDP Yoga has added DDPY Rebuild. It's a new variation of the traditional DDPY program and is catered toward those in my age group, 55-plus, and those folks with physical limitations and extremely limited mobility. The DDPY Rebuild Workouts will take you from the bed to the chair and eventually to standing upright with the support of a chair. The DDPY Rebuild program is the perfect holiday gift for your parents, your grandparents even, or maybe even your great-grandparents. So head over to ddpyoga.com forward slash rebuild to learn more and to pre-order The DDPY Rebuild Program. Now, what a loving, thoughtful gift that would be for yourself to better your health. Folks, our health is our greatest asset, without a doubt. Don't ignore yours. Help yourself, help your parents, help your grandparents, and so forth with the DDPyoga.com forward slash rebuild. Go there and get the info. Cost you nothing to visit. Check it out. And I guarantee you, you're going to be very, very happy that you get in. Do something good for you and your family, your loved ones, your friends, as simply as DDPY Yoga Rebuild. Also, folks, Dallas will be appearing December 8th through the 10th at the Steel City Con in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, just outside Pittsburgh. Dallas will be there signing autographs, taking pictures, and talking to the fans. For more information, go to www.diamonddallaspage.com. And click on the Appearances tab to get all the info. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir!
1: And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice! Welcome to the Ross Report.
0: Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Lover knocker Audio is on your air, and we thank you. I am indeed Jim Ross. Help you download our program for free. Hope you use the Apple Podcast. You can knock us out there with a five-star rating and a comment or two. Takes about a minute, maybe two, if you're slow like me. But we got a, a cool show here today. Some young blood, and uh, we're going to talk about today's pro wrestling presentations from two guys that uh, are very innovative that are very, very top-hand-oriented. John Morrison will be joining us later. You might know him as John Hennigan if you went to college with him at UC Davis. Or maybe you can know him as Johnny Mundo. Or perhaps he's even Johnny Impact in your household. But the damn guy's Johnny. Here's Johnny. And we'll talk to Johnny later in the program. One of my favorite guys to be around and work with in WWE back in the day. And we'll start the show off here talking to very captivating, interesting dude. And I mean dude, dude. Matt Riddle is going to join me. First time on the show. Won't be the last, I hope. An amazing athlete who really had a bright MMA future many thought, including me. But he's moved from MMA and UFC to uh, pro wrestling. He's getting a lot of work. He's exercising his creativity and his entrepreneurial abilities, and we'll talk to him in this program too. So, as a matter of fact, uh, both these dudes, Johnny and uh, my man Matt Riddle, are going to be a part of MLW's Never Say Never event. That's going to be this Thursday, December 7th in Orlando. You can go to MLW.com for all the information you need on how to watch it online in a few days, on video on demand. I don't know if they have tickets still available or not, but it's worth checking out. But if you just go to MLW.com, they can answer all these questions in one form or the other. And, of course, that event is this Thursday night, December the 7th. But now, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're waiting for it. Many of you are twitching in your seats. And I think it's not a holiday edition of the What's On My Mind. It will be today a Big 12 Conference Football Championship edition uh, what's on my mind it's
2: time. It's time.
1: It's what's on jr's mind
0: might as well start off uh, what's on my mind this week with what i do this weekend because you know it's all about me i went down to dallas had a hell of a lot of fun because my sooners won the big 12 conference football championship and i was blessed to be on their sidelines for this uh, momentous occasion I do believe that you may find this crazy, and I am a little nuts. I will will readily admit, but I believe my late wife is kind of looking out over me and that football team. We have that little angel, and so it's going to be an interesting ride here, folks. So here's what happens. They announced this information on ESPN on Sunday, and about 30 seconds after the announcement was made of Georgia playing Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, it was a text from Tony Shavani. Tony's a producer for the uh, Georgia football team, radio producer on their broadcast crew in that, in that regard. But uh, he, he started off his text with, well, Jim, dot, 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 dot. Okay, here it comes. You know, it, we have had uh, such a good relationship all, over the years. Yeah, there'll be a little spiritual rivalry. There might even be a dinner bed or something. But I'm really looking forward to this trip. The last time Oklahoma was in the Rose Bowl, the Sooners beat Washington state and Mike price was a coach at that time. He also then became the coach at Alabama for a few months. No, a few weeks. Okay. A few days. What the hell don't throw the guy on the bus. And so Tony's will be out there on this trip. As will I, I'll be rolling from that event on new year's day. Right. And I'll be rolling into that event to doing the voiceovers for access TV for wrestle kingdom 12. But nonetheless, I'm proud of my Sooners. I had a great time. Uh, the athletic department, the athletic director Joe Castiglione, has really been amazing to me uh, since I began my crazy fandom. And I'm happy to support my team in any way that I can legally. You've Got to watch the NCAA. You know, you want to be a mentor to a kid and help him help him the rest of their life because they have eligibility left. Crazy. In any event, ladies and gentlemen, happy for my Sooners. I'm going to the Rose Bowl. And I can't wait. It's one of the most spectacular trips I ever was on, a football trip, going to the Rose Bowl. The stadium, the atmosphere, really cool. Very nostalgic. So uh, I'm pumped. Georgia's got a great team, no doubt. We have not faced a defense as good as Georgia this year, in my opinion. But I can promise you, Georgia has not faced an offense like the Sooners offense this season either. Uh, it's a dream matchup. And I can't wait to see it with my old friend, Tony Schiavone. As many of you may have already heard, I'm sure you have a lot of the a lot of the diehards that listen to my program, and I thank you for that. Diehard or not, I thank you for listening. But the uh, big news out of Access TV the last few days was the fact that they are going to cover Wrestle Kingdom 12 in a very, very timely manner, inasmuch as they're going to have a three-hour Wrestle Kingdom 12 special. That's going to air on Saturday night, January the 6th, ladies and gentlemen. It starts at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The main focus is going to be 11 straight hours of New Japan programming starting at noon that day. The day is, remember, Saturday, January 6th. Now, I know that the three matches that are going to make up the three-hour special will be the main event of Okada versus Naito. For the IWGP heavyweight title. Depending on your perspective. The co-main event. Or the semi-final main event. Is going to be the US champion Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Very much anticipated in North America is that match. And around the world. And of course the intercontinental champion. The great Hiroshi Tanahashi. Will take on a real up and coming young star. That can get it done in Jay White. So that will be on the special. Now. The thing about Access TV, you can watch it on, on DirecTV. You can watch it on Sling. That's a nice little app to have. Now, the bottom line on watching uh, this uh, broadcast on Access TV is that if you wonder how I can see it in my area, where I live, and some areas you're not going to be able to see it, unfortunately, unless you follow my exact instructions, if that is your real name, go to Access.tv. A X S dot TV slash subscribe. And you can find out uh, where to get it. And also I can tell you off the top of my head, it's on sling. That's a great app sling direct TV now and philo P H I L O. So there's your information on that. A huge TV wrestling weekend, massive that marathon is really going to be a, uh, Something to be involved in. I'm excited about that. So it will be Josh Barnett and I will be voicing those matches over within hours. The dust will not have settled when we venture into our palatial studio in Los Angeles, California, and begin to kick some audio ass. How's that? What do you think about me now, Ernie Lad? you crazy devil? Junkyard dog. some in a whip-pile, jump in a family dog, because I'd rather fight a man than make love to a woman. So, I think you should watch this program if you like rattling. Good, solid stuff. I'm very, very excited to call these matches. I will not watch them, if you're asking, before I voice them over. I will read about them because everybody's verbal or written interpretation is oftentimes different. And I appreciate the unique points of view. It gives me something to think about, but I'm not going to precondition myself by watching any of the matches beforehand. Sorry. If it was real, and I was live, and I was there, then I wouldn't want to know the outcomes or how how they got there. So in any event, it's going to be fun, really a lot of fun. I think there's like a, we're going to voice sort of like 11 matches total or something. I don't know, a ton. Over two days. So Josh Barnett and I will be loaded up and ready to go. Don't worry about the mules, ladies and gentlemen. Just load the wagon. I'm pumped to travel to the Northeast this week. Moe Stomping Grounds in the Tri-State area. We had a book signing earlier tonight, as you hear this, in the Tribeca area of New York City at Barnes and & Noble. And we added a Q and a to it, so it's kind of cool. And I appreciate everybody that will, will come out. I'm talking in two different tenses. I think I'm in a damn twilight zone. But uh, nonetheless, our other signing this week's on Wednesday in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Six o'clock start. Bookends Bookstore. I've been there before. They're great people. Folks really turn out for the signings. Remember, I'll sign other items as well. You don't have to buy a book if you don't choose to. That's your call. I'd like for you to, to be honest. But I will sign anything you bring. Bring your camera. We'll take a little selfie. So just come say hello if that's all you want to do. And that's plenty for me. I appreciate seeing you. So Bookends, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, Ridgewood, New Jersey, 211, ladies and gentlemen, 211 East, Ridgewood Revenue. Okay, so there's that on the books. You know, the books are doing great. I'm really tickled. They've over-exceeded our expectations. There's a lot of interest in Slavernocker for various projects, and I'm kind of excited about that, too. But uh, the books now should be in all stores that sell books. If it's not there, ask your, somebody at the store where it is. What's the story? And let me know on Twitter. At i I'm trying to do all I can to facilitate these books, to get these warehouses, but, you know, I'm only one man, ladies and gentlemen. I'm only one man. As Tommy Young would say about Rick Flair, oh, he's something else. But he's only one man. Best referee I saw, Tommy Young. Good one. The issue with our book situation is the fact that uh, I think we all underestimated how it going to sell. Certainly, the distribution arm of this project underestimated it because we're on our third printing. That's great news. They're planning on a fourth printing, probably in 2018. So the bottom line is this. The books are at Barnes & Noble stores. They're at Books A Million. They're, of course, at Ridgewood, New Jersey, bookends. And as importantly for all that, for a global look, Amazon has our book. And the Amazon UK site is allegedly restocked. With hundreds of books, you know, check out these things. If you go to a store, I uh, look. I can't personally make sure everything's there, but I can get the word to those that can. If you can't find it, you know, hit me on Twitter at jrsbbq, and I will uh, do what I can to solve your issue. So it's doing well. We appreciate everybody for that. And uh, the uh, the other heartwarming thing is that people are really responding to the audio book. The audio book can get you get that at Amazon as well or Audible.com. That was the hardest thing I ever did. Remember, I read that book after my wife died. So I had to relive meeting her and courting her and the trials and tribulations that we had and her uh, being the best coach's wife in, in the world. And it was hard to do. So I think you'll hear that. But uh, nonetheless, I appreciate all you guys for supporting Slobberknocker. And it's continuing to rise. It's continuing to sell. And uh, there's big things that lie ahead for the story. And I appreciate your support on that. The amazing Jeremy Borash, who has promised to perform nude at Laugh Boston on uh, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, December 16th. It is the big Clash of Champions weekend in Boston. And uh, we're having our Ringside with Jim Ross show, the last one of the year, the big holiday special coming to Boston. With J.B. Jeremy Borash and I will tear it up, promise you. And he probably won't be naked, but he'll probably want to be naked. But that's another issue. He's got to deal with those issues, not me. Tickets at laughboston.com, laughboston.com. The VIP portion of our show, which is a hell of a lot of fun if you've never done the VIP thing, is starts at one o'clock, and well, that's the meet and greet, photo ops, personalized autographs, that kind of thing, and you know, the chatting. You got a question, you ask you the question, or not. I enjoy meeting the fans for a variety of reasons. And then our show at Laugh Boston starts at 3 p.m. at the Laugh Boston facility. Getting excited about it. Plus, new material, Q&As are never uh, censored. Ask what you want, you'll get an answer. And you'll get a true answer, by the way. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun. JV's a great uh, partner to be involved with these things. Uh, Great sense of humor. He comes from a different world than me. You've got impact questions. JV can probably address those. And I'll try. So anyway, Laugh Boston, Saturday afternoon, December the uh, 16th. Love to see it. the VIP meet and greet starts at 1 o'clock. LaughBoston.com for tickets. Hey, I'm going to be coming to uh, Indiana. I'm going to be coming to the Allen County Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne next year. Saturday, April 21st. Heroes and Legends. Ten. So uh, I'll be doing a signing there, bringing some books. And maybe might even bring some barbecue sauce or something. Who knows? I think I'll I'll do that. Bring some goodies. You can get information on that event at heroesandlegendswrestling.com. So check it out. Support indie wrestling. I do. A lot of uh, online chatter about Matt Hardy. He's apparently going to be known now as Woken Matt Hardy. I like the broken Matt Hardy character that he developed uh, in his previous tenure at Impact Wrestling, and I'm glad to see a version of it, seemingly. I haven't seen it all, but seemingly it's going to be a version of it coming to WWE. It's a very compelling original character. You see somebody you knew, because he's grown up in front of your very eyes, he and Jeff. Climb the ladder, kid. Make yourself famous. I get that every now and then q and What's some of your favorite calls? That's one of them. But Matt's uh, Matt's very creative. But starting out as a kid, you know, I, I hired Matt and Jeff. They were, they were making their own wrestling attire. They were working the, wherever they could find work because Jeff was probably underage, probably 16 or 17. And then uh, we, we brought them to do some TVs back in the day, as Tony Greer would say, and catering. You know, they came to TVs and did the honors. And, well, everybody loved their exuberance. Their athletic abilities, willingness to learn, and uh, two good kids. So I'm pulling from Matt Hardy, one of my favorite guys. In the old, old old-day system of territories, uh, an owner of a territory, head of a territory, owner, whatever, could do a lot worse than hiring a guy like Matt Hardy to be a booker. Because he's creative, he loves the business through and through. He's just continuing to reinvent himself. Reminds me a little bit of what Chris Jericho's done for the last several years. Reinvention. And speaking of Chris, you know, he's got his big cruise coming up. Not only has he got Kenny Omega, who he's never seen wrestle. Well, what a show of disrespect. Did Jericho throw Omega under the bus, or what, ladies and gentlemen, for goodness sakes? But nonetheless, I am going to be able to call that match with Josh Barnett. And like I said earlier, within hours of it happening. So, really excited about that. The whole show, as a matter of fact, it's going to be really cool. Chris has got a hell of a cruise coming up. You guys remember now, the King and I are going to host this cruise, so just be aware of that. Take that for what it's worth with fair warning. And if you want information about it, you can uh, go to uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. A lot of talent. A lot of talent going to be there. A lot of the biggest stars the entire game. Go online. And check out the names. Check out the activities. Check out all the good stuff for this cruise that's coming up next fall. ChrisJericho.com and ChrisJerichoCruise.com can answer all of your questions. Chris is on Twitter at IamJericho. My producer, Andrew Ford, brought to my attention that the uh, NXT TakeOver next one will be on Saturday, January 27th in Philly at the Wells Fargo Arena. And that will obviously be the night before the Royal Rumble. You know, with the brand split, the Royal Rumble should really be interesting. can be, right? A lot of different roads to travel to get to your destination. But it's always one of my favorite events. It's the hardest event, really, for a broadcaster to execute, in my opinion, because you have such transition every 90 seconds or every minute. So you've got to get a backstory in. You got to get a uh, you got to forward the existing story, and you got to call what you see, and that's hard to do sometimes in that ninety second window. So then sometimes some guys get trying to say they don't get uh, ignored. It's just there's not time to do all you want to do, With the theme changing every sixty or ninety seconds, whatever it's going to be. You have got to really continue to flow. There's no breaks for you, so it's an hour and change. So it's a, it's a tough one, and the only thing I would suggest is that. You know, WWE might, not want to, might want to consider not using five on a Royal Rumble match. I would probably think Cole and, and Corey Graves could handle that by themselves. But none, that's just me. I don't know, man. I don't know. They all do a good job. I would go with a smaller than five. This way, I am recommending that WWE go with a smaller than five-member broadcast team for the Royal Rumble match. That's my take on it. The match will be able to breathe better. The flow will be better. It would be a more enjoyable listen without having to try to designate. Now, who said who said that? Whose voice is that one? Because the most distinctive voice in that team, that five-man team, is Booker T. When Booker talked, I listened, and I knew he was talking. So the other guys said, wait, is that is that Tom? Is that, you know, whatever. So it's good stuff. But it's hard to do multiple members of the team. Software uh, written where Alberto El Patron potentially is retiring in the next couple of years. He's had a long career. He's been very successful. I assume he's made good money. As far as I know, he has. has how he's handled that, I don't know. None of my business. But I would say the key term in this statement is that Alberto El Patron is potentially retiring in the next couple of years. How many great wrestlers have we read about, followed, admired, idolized, that said they're going to retire, and they didn't do it? Uh, a lot of More have fallen off the wagon in that respect than have not. So I wish him the best. You know, always a gentleman to me. And that's how I treat people. Always a gentleman to me. What do you want, Larry? Uh Uh-huh, Jim. Can I come on your show and talk about Bruno? Someday, Larry, we'll get to their conversation. You and Bruno. We had a program, you know. Yes, Larry, I know you had a program. I like that Hawaiian shirt you're wearing, too, by the way. And the new hair? Love it, buddy. Thanks for dropping by. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's on my mind. I'm Wade Keller, host of the Wade Keller
1: Pro Wrestling Podcast, exclusively here at Podcast One, four days a week. Tuesday mornings, we cover Monday Night Raw from the night before. Wednesday mornings, we cover SmackDown from the night before. Thursdays is our flagship where we talk about the whole pro wrestling industry and all the latest news. And Fridays features my weekly interview. Recent interviews have included Sean Waltman, X-Pac, talking about the John Cena legacy, what makes AJ Styles so great from a wrestler's perspective, and uh, how Vince McMahon has changed over the years. Other interviews recently have included Podcast One's very own Jim Ross, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, ex-WWE creative team members, and more. Check out the show four days a week. Just search Wade Keller on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Wade Keller's Pro Wrestling Podcast.
0: Well, folks, Christmas chopping season is in full swing, so I'm uh, suggesting <laughs> suggesting that you check out JR's exclusive products. Don't forget to Socking stuffers. You know, the book Sovereign Knocker, My Life in Wrestling, great gift for holidays. Go to www.shop.com and Order all the JR's products. You can muster, beef jerky, seasoning, barbecue sauces, hot and original, chipotle ketchup, mm, sweet and smoky, and our hot barbecue sauce and our main event mustard that is jalapeno mashed honey mustard. Really good. Got one gram of sugar. Very healthy. So check it out at www.shop.com. Give yourself plenty of time to get your order in. Because it's crazy shopping here, in, you know, in this, this holiday season. Jump on it, and I appreciate that very much. Also, in the same light, uh, we've got a, a lot of T-shirts and merchandise and signed books, uh, sauce and things like that, that you can get on the store at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Now, online, you can get my T-shirts, and I'm sure a book, but uh, check them out, prowrestlingtees.com slash Jim Ross. And, by the way, I try to do this. Uh, and I'm going to do it going forward for sure. If you come to one of my signings and you're wearing a some JR merch, t shirt, whatever, I'll give you a special surprise. Hmm. Well, tell me what a special surprise means to you. I've often wondered. I bet you have, Mr. Barnett. I bet you have. Well, the fans will like it, and it's very family friendly. <coughs> All right. So much for that. Good Lord. Anyhow, uh, the ProRescueTees.com slash Jim Ross, appreciate that. And for all you guys out of the country, outside the walls of North America, Amazon.uk, Amazon Amazon in general, Amazon.com can get you a slobber knocker book. They got them in stock. So we appreciate that very much, and uh, I thank you for supporting our efforts. The
1: Ross Report.
0: One of the hottest uh, competitors, new competitors uh, in the wrestling business is Matt Riddle. He's not been on my show before. He joins us tonight. And, Matt, I thank you for taking time uh, here on Thanksgiving week as we record this uh, to join us.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. First time. Uh, pretty excited. Pretty good to be here.
0: All right, me too. Me too. Uh, I found out about you. Well, first I saw you on uh, The Ultimate Fighter. You know, you stood out in that environment athletically, I felt like. Because, I don't know, they don't really let you get to know the people behind the scenes, how you are. Away from fighting to any degree that you can f- get a feel for who you hell you are, but I see that personality now. And but you've really made a nice transition from the MMA to pro wrestling. Your skill set has a lot of that has transferred, and you, know, you, you have a great game for somebody that's been in business what three years?
2: Yeah, it's been about it's been three years this November.
0: Wow, well, wow. Well. Then in the Observer, you know, you you caught fire with a lot of the readers. It created a a need for me to go to YouTube or wherever I could find some of your work. Because when Brother Dave Meltzer says somebody's really good, I generally check them out.
2: Yeah, you know, D- Dave Meltzer's been a big fan of mine since day one, and uh, he speaks highly of me. And I couldn't say anything but kind things about Dave. You know, he's, he's a great guy.
0: I love the fact you're a successful amateur wrestler, a state champion, at a lean 189. Yep. Uh, <laughs> then I, I read here, that you left the USC because you failed a, a marijuana test? Seriously? I
2: did, I did. You know, well, it wasn't like I left because I didn't want to fight anymore. It was more they fired me because I failed a drug test for marijuana. Wow. I was on a four-fight win streak, but, uh, you know, it was just, a, you know, it happened, and they decided to exercise the right to fire me, and that was, what, 2012? That was five years ago, almost six years ago now.
0: Yeah. You rebounded well.
2: When one door shuts, another opens. I know it's an old saying, but it's true. Yeah, you're right. You know, but, uh, yeah, and honestly, I'm I'm pretty stoked. You know, this is something I've wanted to do my whole life. And I kind of just fell into the MMA. You know, uh, I was just really good at amateur wrestling. I got into amateur wrestling because I watched pro wrestling. And then the amateur wrestling transitioned to jiu jitsu. The jiu jitsu transitioned to uh, MMA, and uh, that's what happened. And then I was lucky enough to come full circle, and now I'm back into professional wrestling. So, you uh, know, well, I'm pretty stoked.
0: And you're doing well. The right people are seeing your work, from what I hear. point I was making about your exit from USC is that in this time, day and time, for anybody to get expelled because they smoked some pot it's ridiculous.
2: You know, it really is, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to say I was in the right or anything, you know. I was just a victim of prohibition at the time, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's just how it went
0: down, you know. Yeah, that's it. Well, you got the right attitude, and I, I appreciate that a great deal. I see trained at the Monster Factory. i got a lot of respect for those guys at the Monster Factory. They've been training guys for a long time. They don't have the shiniest, coolest gym in the eyes of some, but it's a place you go to work, and it's a place you go to learn, so I think they've done a good job, and you and your alumni there are representing their school very well. How did you enjoy, or not, their training?
2: I enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed the wrestling, so like I said, something I've wanted to do. You know, the one thing that differs from the monster Fetcher from just another wrestling school, though, is... Uh, the Monster Factory gets you ready for, like, the road and working with different companies and kind of business etiquette that, you know, is a little different in pro wrestling than it is from any other business, you know. And you being in wrestling, you know how it is when you deal with promoters and wrestlers, yep. et cetera. So, yeah, so, you know, they're really good at that, you know, as well as teaching you how to work, you know.
0: The first few days of your pro career can damn near make or break you. When I say break you, maybe, that, maybe that's too extreme, but it might set you back to where you've got to hit the restart button. Point being is there's a lot of funky nuances in pro wrestling that you don't learn them overnight. All these little handshakes, the respect things. I'm not knocking any of those things, by the way. Respect is a good deal. But there are a lot of things, and you can piss somebody off and piss the wrong person off, and all of a sudden, you're in a a bad way. So the Monster Factory teaching you locker room etiquette, for lack of a better term, is really smart. It's almost as smart as learning to take a flat back bump.
2: Yeah, I think it is, you know. I think a lot of wrestling is not just wrestling and getting over with the crowd and being able to work, but it's also how you interact with promoters and other workers and how you interact with others in the locker room, you know. Do so people want to be around you, you know? And if they do, you know, you're probably going to get more work.
0: December 7th in Orlando, MLW has uh, their second big event. That is a double main event, ladies and gentlemen, for all you checking and keeping the score at home. Matt Riddle will take on Tom Lawler in a match that's very intriguing to me because both you guys are considered outstanding MMA guys. You had a good role there going. Tom's had some great fights. He's been on TV lately. What's your thoughts on that? And have you worked with Tom before? Or Is this going to be a ground-based match, or am I looking at it wrongly?
2: Uh, you know, Tom is a lot like me when it comes to wrestling and even mixed martial arts. He's not one-dimensional. He's very well-rounded. So I don't think it's going to be just a grappling-based match or just a striking-based match. I think it's going to be... Uh, both, you know, I think it's, it's going to be everything. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of duplexes, a lot of strikes. Uh, you know, me, me and Tom mixed it up once before and we put it on each other pretty good. So I would imagine if we get the link up again, it's, it's going to probably even rougher. So I'm pretty excited for it.
0: Yeah. The, uh, alpha male element of being a very accomplished wrestler on the amateur level, and then going into MMA, as we discussed, that alpha male feeling really doesn't go away, does it? Even in the, all the antics that make up a great pro wrestling wrestler in a pro wrestling match, that alpha male stuff I've always seen, if you hire athletes, they'll always have that gene, and the competitiveness will always be in your locker room, which is always a good thing. Will you find that with Tom, where you guys have both been high-level uh, athletes in other areas, that you'll bring that same mindset to your pro wrestling uh, presentations.
2: Yeah, and not and not only that, Tom, Tom was just like myself has been a big fan of professional wrestling his whole life, and uh, and he also you know he trains mixed martial arts, and he fights. He fought in the UFC, he still does, and you know, and I fought in the UFC and I fought in Titan I've seen other promotions. Uh, you know, we we just we connect. You know, it's just like. Me and, like, any other fighter, even, like, when me and Shibata got in the ring, you know, he's an MMA fighter, and he doesn't speak English, really, and I don't speak Japanese at all, and we really didn't need to call too much, and we had a great match just because we could feel it out there, you know? That's, so, a, that's
0: a beautiful thing. A, that's a beautiful thing, man. That's what I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's just a really – when people put all you said in, a, in a, and think about it again, two high-level athletes, very competitive – I love Shibata. I have I called a bunch of matches for Access TV for New Japan, and he was one of my favorite guys. As a matter of fact, the first week or second week I was there, I said I, he reminded me of a young Inoki, and I thought that Shibata was maybe after Okada the next guy. It's just unfortunate his injury has sidelined him, and uh, I haven't heard anything lately on if he's going to come back or can come back. I don't know what the deal is, but nonetheless, I'd love to see that match with you and he.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, we had the one. I, I, You know, I was lucky enough to get one with him. I hope he comes back and I can get another one. But like I said, I was fortunate enough to even get one Master with Shibata And it's probably one of the best experiences of, you know, my life.
0: Well, you know, and you get a guy like him that's got a great reputation, and you're trying to get noticed and earn your keep, so to speak, learn your way, create your own legacy. But I find it – here's what I've always found fascinating about our business – the last 40-plus years I've been in it, and that is you can take a guy like Matt Riddle who doesn't speak Japanese and a guy like Shibata who doesn't speak English, and they can communicate with feel, touch, instinct, eyes, ears. It's challenging, and I've always admired you guys that could do that because I just thought, God, oh there just got to be so much naturalism there. This, I'd be nervous as a damn long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs or something. Jesus.
2: Nah, I'll be honest. I I prefer it. I I feel like a lot of times it's more natural. And sometimes when you watch wrestling, you know, when you see some of the situations or spots, it kind of seems a little too many spins and rolls and ducks and dips, (laughs) you know. Sometimes you just, you know, hit a guy a couple times in the face and suplex him, you know, because that's how, you know, real life works.
0: Bingo, you're right, man. But I'm, I'm yeah. lo- I love the at the the realism. You can't miss far by being aggressive, not dangerous, but aggressive. Snug, and uh, wh- what work I see in yours, you have a very snug approach that is believable. I applaud you for that.
2: Yeah, you know, a, bi- a big reason for that as well is one, I enjoy it, and then two, it's like when you work on the indies, especially at the level I'm working at. You know, I'll work in front of, like, you know, maybe 300 to, like, 2,500 people, you know, being a bigger crowd. But uh it's like they're closer to the ring, you know, the connection's there, you know. If I don't, like, lay it in, if I don't make connection, if it isn't snug, they can tell. The crowd can definitely tell the difference when you can work and be aggressive, like you said, and have that believability rather than more show, you know know what I'm saying? More show, more entertainment. Well, it's still entertainment. It's still show, but it's also a certain level of physicality, you know? And that's what I appreciate about, like, professional wrestling, you know?
0: I think that uh, a lot of fans that I come in contact with, because I seemingly am more approachable in their eyes than some of the wrestling stars. And so I get to privy to have some pretty cool conversations with fans in an airport or where i see them here there and yon the first thing to talk about is physicality there's some something in a match that resonated and stuck with them and it's generally tied to either something that's absurd to the nth degree and hideous i can't believe they did that type deal or god almighty those two son of bitches are laying it in it was great and i love that latter part i love the the physicality man that you can capture an audience's imagination with physicality, and guess what, Matt? Selling. That's an art
2: S- Selling big. Selling is everything in this business,
0: for sure. Do you have to slow yourself down sometimes?
2: Yeah, well, depending on who I work with. You know, a, a lot of the guys I work against are bigger, you know. They like, say like a Brian Cage or e- even a Jeff Cobb, who's a couple, a couple pounds bigger, or a Keith Lee or Mike Elegant, you know, those are just a couple big guys I've worked. And, you know, I'll set yourself down a little more. But at the same time, you know, my my thing is also, like, I'm a fighter, you know, I got that spirit, and even when I fought in the UFC, you know, I got, like, fight of the night a couple times and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I always, like, push the pace and, like, you know, always have that warrior spirit. So, you know, that's something I really try to push in the matches as well.
0: I am uh, really excited about uh, your December seventh event for MLW. And by the way, folks, that event you can find out all about it. if you want to attend it live. If you want to watch it after the fact? Seventy-two hours after the event will be available on video on demand. Everything you need to know about that event you can find at MLW.com. They'll take you where to get tickets. How to buy the uh, video? Everything. We got a, a Card double Man event, but it'll be hard to out athletic. Matt Riddle and Tom Lawler. What do you want? What's next? What's your, is your ultimate goal WWE is your ultimate goal to stay busy as you want as an indie in new Japan. What, what do you think you'd like to do somewhere down the road at the opportunity? You
2: know, you know like right now I really enjoy what I'm doing. Like I work for a different promotion every weekend, work three to four times a week. I, I make my own schedule and it's just really, it's really convenient. I, I would like to get up in new Japan Possibly WWE or NXT down the road, but like right now, like the, I'm I'm killing it on the Indians. I'm building a reputation. I'm getting more and more and more fans. I'm in control of all my merchandise and everything else, and, and things are good. Like like you were saying, December seventh, I'm wrestling Tom Law, who's a UFC fighter, just like I was. And we're wrestling in Florida in a sweet nightclub in a ring that looks like the pride ring from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony, Tony Schiavone is going to be calling it. You know, you got Johnny Mundo and a bunch of other studs that are going to be on the card. It's like, so, and then the next night, I'm literally, I'm flying to England that night and I'm wrestling Zack Sabre in London the next day. Wow. And then, and then the following day after that, I'm flying to New York and I'm wrestling I don't know who I'm wrestling there, but I'm wrestling for Evolve in New York City, then Evolve in Boston, and then Beyond in Boston. I got a double shot that Sunday. So, you know, like sometimes I'll have like five matches in a weekend, and I'm just bouncing around the globe. But, you know, I really enjoy what I do, and it's, it's extremely fun.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. It's an adventure. Just getting on a damn airplane anymore is an adventure, but I always love this deal, they, How was your flight? Various people ask me. How was your flight? Well, hell, obviously it was okay. I'm here.
2: Uh, yeah, but, I, I usually tell them I always say, oh, it was easy. I just sat there with the pilot fluid. They, like, handled my bag. Like, I really did nothing, you know. I just sat in a chair until they told me to stand up and leave.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, look, you got the right idea. Your business plan, You might, hey, look, if you're going to be an independent wrestler, you damn sure need to control every element of it that you can And I know you can't control everything, like injuries and things like that, but everything you can control.
2: You know, I I would argue that. I think you can control injuries to a certain level, you know. Like, personally, like me, like, I could do dives and flips and do a lot more crazy stuff, but I choose to work a different style, more snug style. And, like, I am aggressive, and I do hit hard, and I do get hit hard back and stuff. But at the same time, I don't have, like, the risk of, jumping off the top rope every single match or diving to a concrete floor. I feel like those things are very high risk and it's a liability, you know?
0: Yeah, I've never been to a wrestling school or a camp and and, uh, our department back in the day started the developmental program in WWE. We didn't train on concrete. We didn't bump from the inside out. What I'm saying, my point is in a facetious way is that wrestlers are doing things now that they never prepared for but the bar's been raised in so many instances that a lot of guys feel compelled that they've got to keep up or or exceed in the, in the high-risk stuff.
2: And you know what? I'll tell you this a lot of times. I'll be at indie shows, and I'll see people hit, like, crazy slams on hardwood floors or concrete floors. And if you ever watch any of my matches, I don't think I've ever let anybody slam me on a concrete floor or a wood floor. I just... It's just not something I'm really into, and I'm like, <laughs> we can de- we can definitely tell a story, get a crowd reaction from, you know, big bumps or different moves, but I don't think, you know, suplex on a wood floor is really going to change the outcome if this is match of the year or not, you know?
0: Man, you ought to have a blast in London versus Zack Sabre Jr.
2: Oh, yeah, well, I, I'll be honest. I wrestle in the U.K. like every weekend. I'm wrestling in the U.K. this weekend. Against uh, Travis Banks, Eddie Dennis, and uh, Alberto Del Rio. Wow. And then, of course, the eighth, I'm wrestling Saber. And then, of course, like, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I was in, you know, Scotland and Ireland wrestling Jordan Devlin. And I just, I travel a lot, wrestle a lot in the UK. It's a a good scene right now over there. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of money to be had. And. Things are really good. I really enjoy working on the Indies, for yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, well, the marketplace is fertile. There's a lot of opportunities out there. You're building a great body of work because I never read about you no-showing know, or or showing up screwed up or you can't work or uncooperative or didn't want to put anybody over, blah, 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 all the normal stuff that you hear from time to time on some guys. I have a solution. I can fix all those problems. Just don't book them. It's easy. Yeah. They let them set their at home until they learn how to do, be a professional. But I hear good things about you, Matt. I always tell their talents, never give anybody a reason to not want to do business with you. There's not that many things you got to check off to, to be cool, to get it all done. There's not that much on time, in shape, cooperative, you know, stuff that you can do. That's about it. Yeah, it's,
2: a man. Sweet, it's a pretty sweet gig. It is. Pretty right?
0: sweet gig. Hey, you know, the, the old-timers used to tell me back in the Mid-South days when I was riding with Hodge and Akbar and a Pontiac, and I was the wheel man, by God, that <laughs> they, they would say, you would have a hotel, and we'd get like a, a, a room, for two beds for $8 total. They'd share, they'd sure, Each would have a bed, and I would get their bedspreads, and ensconce would myself these, God dang, hideous bed spreads now. they probably that DNA all over it that I didn't know about then, and so I got, they
2: didn't have they didn't
0: have the black lights. Right. <laughs> no, I I didn't get the black light. My thank God I didn't because they probably would have scared the hell out of me. But the, those guys always said uh, when we lose a deal like that, or eight dollar room. Well, so and so screwed it up for all of us. So they the general consensus was the business is great. It's the greatest business in the world to be in, and we are our own worst enemies. And sometimes that makes sense. Some of our people don't represent our business very well. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, do you think the MMA TV business or their live event business, well, nobody has live events hardly. Everything's televised, seemingly. Has it had a peak, Matt, in your view? Has it plateaued?
2: I'll say this. When I was fighting mixed martial arts, and probably at the End of my career, you know, I would say was when it probably peaked. And I'm not just saying it was the end of my career, but I would say, like, it, they just got, the UFC just got the Fox Sports deal. They just got, like, Budweiser or Bud Light as a sponsor. And the Reebok deal just came through, you know. So, and they just, like, went, you know, it was, like, probably, like, a couple of years before they sold the company, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I think that's when... Well, I'd say about a couple of years before they sold is when they had a dwindle in overall ticket sales and drawings, you know. I still believe, of course, Conor McGregor can draw tickets anywhere. Mm. And, you know, Ronda Rousey at one point and others were really hot ticket sellers and still are hot ticket sellers. But uh, at the same time, I think they just, they did a really good job of promoting the UFC, but not a good enough job promoting future stars. Mm-hmm. and That's what makes the WWE and even professional wrestling companies so good, even on the indies, is that, yeah, they promote their company, but you can't promote a company unless you have stars. So they know they have to create stars to have, like, a great company, you know?
0: Yeah. I think they're like wrestling in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, but certainly in the way that fans demand new. Fans demand something good that's new. And so the constant evolution of of talents – is ongoing for a wwe or a usc the ticket buyers the viewers want new matt and they want somebody exciting and new and they want somebody that can win and so here's the beautiful part about that for wrestling that can be addressed i know you can't address that in in usc for example or bellator
2: mma you can have a bad day pro wrestling a bad day is Still a good day.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So, or,
2: or or a bad day could be a really bad day. So you never know.
0: Well, listen. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoy your the holiday season. I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching your match. You know, as you mentioned, Tony Schiavone and and uh, Rich Machini were going to call that match. Rich used to work at NXT, and he's really a good announcer. Of course, Tony's my old partner from the uh tvs years he and i actually were two play-by-play guys that were signed by dusty Rhodes. we're booked to call the clash of champions one and it was a absolute blast and he's found his passion for wrestling on these events of uh mlw.com uh that uh you know i think that i'm kind of happy for him hell it's he got his jersey back man and so You'll, you'll get a great call from him, too. So it's going to be a good presentation, folks. com has all the info. Can't wait to see Matt Riddle and Tom Lawler potato the hell out of each other.
2: That's it, man. I'm going to slap his tits off. It's going to be sweet.
0: All right, big boy. I look forward to watching you. Pre- <laughs> appreciate you being on, pal. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. Big, big fan here, pal. Big fan.
2: Big fan of you, too, man. I appreciate it.
0: That was one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had on a program in a long time. Matt Riddle is a very unique, intelligent athlete, and I stress athlete, really, really good. He's innovative. Uh, He's got a big future ahead of him, no doubt in my mind. If he steers the course, it keeps getting better. After transitioning from USC and MMA, this kid's got a, a bright, bright future. It has no limitations in my view. Another kid that I truly believe is one of the best in the business We'll be joining here in a few moments. John Morrison. Yeah, I know. John Hennigan, real name. John Morrison, another name. Johnny Mundo. Johnny Inbag, Johnny Rebel. Uh, Johnny uh, John, Johnny Yuma. Johnny Yuma was a rebel, ladies and gentlemen. But first, I must, because I like doing it. Thank one of the great sponsors who makes this podcast possible and for free, and that's True Car. Yes, indeed. True Car, our friends, they do a great job. I have never received one complaint from a listener regarding experiences of true car. Not one. When you're looking to buy a car, it's important that you're getting a real pricing on actual inventory. And you may say, well, what's that mean? Well, why would not you get real pricing on actual inventory? Well, it don't work that way. Often enough, this is not the case as people configure cars online. And then they find out later that they're not available. What the hell is that? But with Truecar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. Now, folks, this is not pricing from Truecar, but from an actual dealer, and even more so, a local certified dealer of your choosing that is committed to offering you a competitive market price. And believe me, there is room to negotiate. True car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience when they connect with true car certified dealers. It's that simple. And by the way, there are over 13,000 true car certified dealers nationwide. When you're ready to buy, visit true car folks. I mean it. Good folks. And enjoy a more confident, pleasant, car buying experience as I bring in the Dean some of my features are just not available in all states Genius, is, thank God
1: uh-uh. Have you heard Spike's Car Radio here on Podcast One? It's comedian, actor, and writer Spike Ferrison sitting on the porch in Malibu talking to his famous friends about cars My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld, he's right here He was alright don't try to hug him. Or Chris Hardwick. I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like, it was like unprotected sex for driving. You could <laughs> Jeremy Piven. I mean, you know what? I think you years. and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars. <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it. Other past guests include Jason Bateman, Russell Peters, and even Adam Carolla. Adam I just Carolla. go with the queen. I mean, the king role <laughs> has been filled, but the queen vacancies open. You're the queen of all media. Get new episodes every Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, on the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcast. And if you like Spike's show, check out our other car shows like CarCast with Adam Carolla, Everyday Driver, or Shift and Steer, exclusively on Podcast One.
0: All right, folks. John Morrison, Hennigan, Unmundo, Undo, Johnny Yuma. I'll get that in my head now. Johnny Yuma was a rebel. And the star of Johnny Yuma, Nick Adams. He's married to some Hollywood star. I can't remember her name. You know, one of those old school ladies. Before we welcome uh, Mr. Mundo, Mr. John. Johnny. I want to remind you that uh, you folks can do us a major favor. Just a solid. Can you do a brother a solid? And uh, that is go to Apple Podcasts. And for free, hit that subscribe button, baby. I mean, drop that bonnick elbow if you will. That way you never miss an episode of this program. New episodes will be automatically delivered to the phone or tablet as soon as they're released on Tuesday nights at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. And I, I do appreciate it. I mentioned this earlier. If you leave a five star rating, helps our cause, helps with advertising, and a review there at Apple Podcasts is also appreciated. Big help to us, and I thank you for it. This, this is the Ross Report. Certainly one of the most athletic performers in all the Matt game, ladies and gentlemen, is my guest now. I got to know him as uh, John Morrison, but you know, he's just Johnny because he's Johnny to a lot of people. He's Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo. So tonight, can we just call you Johnny John Morrison?
3: I would love that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me, first of all, uh, Jr. And uh, for me, names in pro wrestling has been the bane of my existence. I wish I just picked one name and stuck to it. It would have been a lot less confusing.
0: <laughs> well, well I, our producer was going on YouTube or something, and or not Google. We couldn't figure out exactly what name we should be looking under. Johnny Morrison, John Mundo, John Impact. Yeah, you're right. It <laughs> right? is. A, it is a little. It is a little concerning. It's hard to build your brand when you got three names.
3: Tell me about it. I mean, and right now, it depends on the, the day of the week. <laughs> Which Underground is going to be on Wednesday nights on El Rey. Impact, is, I'm going to wrestle with Johnny Impact on Thursdays. And then um, we have shows like, uh, say, uh, this Friday, for example. I'm wrestling Pentagon at PCW in Los Angeles as John Hennigan, my name. And December 7th for uh, for the show in Orlando, I'm going to be performing there as John Hennigan
0: as well. The event on December the 7th in Orlando is getting some steam behind it. I feel like people are getting more interested in it. The second event that... MLW.com and the MLW guys, Court Bauer, are, are putting on. Looks like a very eclectic card that, to me, probably more closely resembles an athletic indie show as any I've seen, as far as in-ring style diversity. A lot of different uh, flavors of ice cream in this thing.
3: I think uh, I think you nailed it. There's going to be something for everybody at the at the MLW show, and and Court did a really smart job of uh, booking the talent for this specific event. Um, it, I'm going to be tagging up with Shane Strickland, who um, I've gone on the record a dozen of times talking about how talented I think he is and what a bright future in the business I
0: think he has. Mm-hmm.
3: And we've got this, uh, this no disqualification tag team match. I don't know if you've ever been to the Guilt Night Club, but... Um, I
0: can't say <laughs> as I have, my friend. <laughs> well, well, just a shot in the dark—you never, you never, know.
3: Um, I remember, though, he did tell me at one point that nothing good happens past midnight. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> I think your dad, <laughs> probably, your dad probably told the same thing. And he probably ignored both of us. <laughs> if, if I hadn't
3: ignored you, I would have been a pro wrestler. <laughs> uh,
0: true. There you go. <laughs>
3: it's part of the business. That's right. Uh, but the the Guild nightclub is, is a really cool venue, and there's a there's a lot of cool ins and outs, and um, and different opportunities that the location is going to present.
0: Awesome. I like that. So you're already thinking about uh what your site, your venue, can do to help your match, which I think is good.
3: Don't yeah, we- absolutely. It's um, when, towards the end of my run with uh with WWE, integrating parkour into my offense was something that I started thinking about more and more, and trying to do more and more. Um, back then, uh, I earned the moniker the, the Prince of Parkour, along with a. A couple dozen other things. I guess that's part of the uh, the career of professional wrestler. Yeah. But um, that's, uh, that's pretty much what it is. It's um, thinking about ways to use your environment in ways that uh, the crowd has never seen before. So it's going to be coming to this MLW event on
0: December 7th. Cool. Well, I know that Court was telling me that about 72 hours after the event, the fans will be able to uh, watch it on video on demand anywhere in the world. And folks, for all this card is really cool, as as John said, there's, there's something on it really for everybody. There's brawling, there's high flying. You know, I I think that Riddle Matt Riddle will have a hell of a match with Tom Lawler. They both are motivated. They're both alpha males, just like you got Everybody is. If you're not an alpha male, you're not going to make it real long in this damn business. It'll eat you alive. I mean, you can go play volleyball then. <laughs> That's
3: right. <laughs> but but you nailed it. I mean, Tom Lawler, Matt Riddle, both um, super talented. That- Crossover athletes, and both those guys are not the kind of guy you'd want to meet in the dark alley But <laughs> um, yeah. uh it, back to back to my match uh, with, with Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. I didn't get a chance to uh, to mention that um, both those two are extremely competitive, talented, and um, I'm not taking it lightly. I'll just I'll just throw it out there. I, I, I respect um, their ability and their talent and what they've done in the business, mm. which is part of why I'm looking forward to the show so much.
0: How big a role in today's uh, young lion, the young guys? And I still consider you a young guy. You're thirty. What are you thirty? What thirty? You'll
3: never guess. I'm, uh, I'm eight. Yeah, I've been
0: around for a while now. Well, you're you're so you're on the other side a little bit, John, of the young lion group. But it seems like, and look, I really one of the things I really want to talk to you about the show is. I want to understand better, John. I want to re- I want to understand better the uh, accelerated pace that a lot of matches are being performed at and uh, the the uh, the volume of risk high risk that are taken uh, in a given match. I'm comfortable with some of it. I'm entertained by all of it by and large when it's not overkill. But I wonder is that even the smallest indie shows is it almost like the fans that are here know I, what I can do. If I don't do all my stuff, they're going to feel cheated. Is that something close to the philosophy? I
3: can't speak to the philosophy of, of everybody, but I
0: definitely have a lot of
3: thoughts on this specific topic. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I mean, ultimately, uh, I, I think the, the purpose of pro wrestling, especially if you're a good guy, babyface, is to give the people what they want, to give the crowd what they what they want to see. If you can figure out what the crowd wants then um then you're going to be way ahead of the game because in my opinion that's the hardest thing to do. but at a lot of these um, independent shows, especially now that have become increasingly popular in my opinion in pop culture, mm-hmm. the crowd has grown accustomed to faster paced higher risk harder hitting style of professional wrestling than um than it existed even five or ten years ago so I would couple that with the fact that um I mean, I don't have to talk to you about wrestling. You've seen and been involved in more wrestling than just about anybody, certainly more than me. But um sometimes if someone asks me the difference between performing at WrestleMania in front of 80,000 people and performing at a, at the Hammerstein Ballroom or a smaller show, I'll say at WrestleMania, everything is slower. Mm-hmm. It takes longer for the, the crowd to digest and the moments can become bigger and you can build more with less of a fast pace because there's so many people there and they all need to absorb what's happening.
2: Yeah, You
3: know, you, you take these uh, these independent shows that are a lot of times at smaller venues and um, when people are packed on top of each other, it doesn't take that long for everyone to register so I think that's part of what's contributing to the, the fast pace of action. And I'm, I'm with you as a, as a wrestling fan. I like the creativity. I like the opportunities to express yourself with different kinds of movement um, and as a as a 30, 38 year old professional wrestler, it's, uh, it's worrisome sometimes because you put a lot of bumps in your bump cart. So yeah, there
0: way. you go, man. And, there's, and everybody's got a quota. We just don't know those numbers until sometimes it's damn near too late in that respect. Here's one of my thoughts on that. I agree with everything you just said about the audience, the changing times, the faster pace. But here's what I don't say offends me. That's too strong a language. Here's what I think affects the success of a lot of matches is that some guys will take these amazing athletic crash and burns. And in about a minute or two they're nonplussed. There's no injury. There's no soreness. There's no selling. When you eliminate a lot of the selling, and I'm not saying oversell or go exaggerate. But re- I would
3: I would go with I would go with your first word, because that offends me also. When people do that, I I think it uh it sets a precedent that requires everybody else in the business to acknowledge at least and, um, if you're on a show and, um, if I'm the main event of a show and there's been five matches previously that have done a lot of that, like a lot of high spots, a lot of no selling, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. And then when the main event comes out, suddenly the, uh, the canvas that you're going to paint on has changed and it might not be what you're expecting.
0: Well, the, you're right. And here's another thing about the the, the dudes that are working, the, the gals and the guys that are working these, uh, indies is the fact that from what I have seen, and, again, watching on, online and tending a few and so forth, there's very little inventory management. In other words, in the second match, once you use two tables and a chair, have at it, nobody says nothing. And not knowing what the finish is for the main event. At the main event, well, we were going to use a table and two chairs, but now you kill our spot because you did in the second match. I think sometimes there's not enough inventory control, and I think that means that everybody's going to come out and try to do everything they can do. I told Roddy Strong and Adam Cole one time, John, here on the show, that I thought that one of the hardest tasks in wrestling was to be the final singles match at a, a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Because by the time that you get to that main event, the fans have seen a hell of a lot. Outside the ring, flips, tables, chairs, you know, gimmicks, pushing them out the 10 count or where the count is on the outside. But nonetheless, it just seems to me that that job being booked as the, like the Ring of Honor champion, and you're going to defend the title, but you've got to have a game plan. You've got to have a very flexible game plan because your audience is going to see a lot of shit before you get there.
3: I agree with that and say, even, even more than Ring of Honor, I think when you're, when you're looking at like promotions like, like PWG, AAW, Wrestle Circus, there's a definite mentality. From everyone, from the, the guys in the back end of promoter, that they want every match to be the main event, and there's a lot of good that comes with that because that's motivating. You know, you want to hear. You don't want to go out to and be the first or second match, and and have someone say like, "We don't want you to uh, have your best match. We want you to hold back a little bit." But on the other hand, I think sometimes what gets mistaken is it's not that uh, specifically. On a WWE card, or a, a Ring Honor card, or a Lucha Underground card, or an Impact card, it's that uh, people are held back. It's that um, sometimes there's a breakdown of communication, whereby people saying like, "Hey, the uh, the finish of the main event was going to do a, a chair, or a table, or a couple things. Mm-hmm. So have a match of the night, steal the show, do whatever you want, but but don't do chairs or tables." <laughs> and um
0: well that would help right
3: oh yeah and uh, and i think that is that is missing and uh it's it's a tough uh it's a tough line to walk because i've always been in favor of the mentality that every match should be the mid event every match should should steal the show but on the convex of that then there's the uh your your four-hour independent wrestling shows where i can't sit still for four hours i don't think i don't think a four-hour show is good for anybody so i would say uh Time cues are another thing that a lot of times, uh, goes out the window. Yeah. And, um, that's a, that's another thing that can kill a crowd. If you, if you go out to main event and, uh, and the crowd has already been sitting there for four hours, so your music hits, are either, they're just tired. Like, you'll, you'll yeah. be able to get them, but they're, they're not going to be as fresh as they were, uh, like, uh, when you probably should have been main eventing about two and a half hours in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm with you too on that, uh, the length of the event. That's like, I still record raw. And I watch it because I'm I generally here at the studio on Monday nights working. But I always watch. We have it on here, and I watch it when I get home. But I have it on the DVR so I can actually fast forward to the commercials because it's hard at the end of the day for me to invest three hours in one entity, one thing.
3: This is this is a little realization that I had one time. You know those uh, those raw recaps that are like ten minutes long on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I watched those. And I started fast forwarding through that. Wow! And I was like, "Man, one fast forwarding to a ten minute recap yeah. of a three hour show—that's there's something
0: wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's, it's not clicking for you, folks. John is—I uh, want to mention John here real quick—that you that they can follow you on Twitter at the real Morrison. So there's no, not even John anywhere in sight. So it's the real Morrison on Twitter.
3: On uh, on Instagram, it's at John Hennigan.
0: Which is my shoot name,
3: and um, on Facebook it's John Morrison. So there's uh, there's three different handles.
0: I want to tell you, yeah. you have basically what you said it tonight. You have successfully flunked Marketing One Hundred and One. Oh man, I'm sorry. I know. Hey, I, I, I like you. I, you're a good student. <laughs> well, you're not. Will, well, you're not paying I will
3: attention. Say that, <laughs> the, uh, the one the one constant that I have at least is that All my names have been John based. Exactly. Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, Mm -hmm. Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo.
0: (laughs) I was really uh, excited and more excited, more interested in what was going on with Boone the Bounty Hunter. Because I'll show you my uh, old age. I saw it one late one night on social media, sending out some promotion, and I was retweeting some stuff. And for some crazy-ass reason, I kept reading it, Dog the Bounty Hunter dog the bounty hunter what the hell is john flying a young dog the bounty hunter jr no he's not you dumbass he's Boone the bounty hunter oh okay so anyway tell us about Boone the bounty hunter because i know you've got a lot of time and uh, energy invested in this project that is available for fans to order on dvd you can tell us how to get that and uh, tell us a little bit about what it's about i mean i'm assuming you're a bounty hunter but there's got to be more right
3: yeah, absolutely. So uh so there's no false advertising. Boone is actually a bounty hunter in this uh in this movie. Um the uh the gist of the movie is well I'll we'll take one step back and tell you why I, I I made it originally. I left WWE at the end of twenty eleven and um one of the things that I wanted to do was uh get into film and T V. Mm-hmm. And I'd say since then i now I've done maybe 16 really small movies and another, uh, I don't know, eight or ten little little spots on TV shows mm-hmm. here and there. But um, most people don't know that because the movies that I've done have been really small low um style movies. And the action that I've uh, been doing in a lot of these films can, can range from uh, sword fighting to, to gunplay to uh <laughs> Kune Do hand-trapping type stuff. But um, I never got the opportunity to do what I feel like I'm best at, and um, I'll expand on that and say I think pro wrestlers in general are best at, and that's uh, professional wrestling. So I wanted to do a movie that integrated professional wrestling, parkour, and some traditional stunt choreo, and that would be the tone of the action, which is uh, which is what I set out to make with Boone the Bounty Hunter. Then I looked for a, a character that I thought would be fun to play, in the kind of movie that I would have liked to have watched when I was a kid. I, I grew up on movies and pro wrestling. Um, so, uh, Macho Man, Bloodsport, Big Trouble, in Little China, Hogan, um, yeah. all but that's, that, those, those are my heroes. Yeah. So, uh, wrote Boone the Bounty Hunter at the end of 2012 with a buddy of mine, Josh. And the, uh, the story is Boone is a reality show bounty hunter who boons celebrities like, uh, Kevin Sorbo is, who gets booned in the beginning of the movie. But when his reality show gets canceled, Boone decides to save his show by going to Mexico to Boone, the son of a famous drug dealer, down in Mexico, with the idea that they'll film it, the ratings will come back, the show will get renewed. But when he gets down there, his friends get in trouble, and uh, Boone needs to decide what's more important to him, being a real hero, his friends, or just saving his TV show. Interesting. I like it. Um. It's, it's, it's a cool. I've, I've talked about it on a lot of podcasts. Uh, Steve Austin had me on. He watched Boone right before I got there and he was, uh, he was really excited about, uh, how, how well the movie had come out because I, I told him about it a number of times. But, um, it's a, it's a really fun movie and that's been the most rewarding thing to me. I spent about five years. Wow. writing it, uh, doing the acting, finishing it, finding the, mm-hmm. a distribution company to distribute it it's now with Vision Films and Sony, so it's out on DVD at Walmart and Dollar General, and um, go, on DOD. yeah, yeah, and, uh, on Amazon, iTunes, mm-hmm. all over the place, and we're still selling territories, I guess, is, uh, is how it works in film, and it's what I've, I've been learning a lot about this process. So um, every couple months, there's a big film market. The last one was in Santa Monica, we, we made a deal with Germany with a company called Lighthouse. So Boone's going to be out in Germany now on January 19th. Good. Um, we're working on a deal with China. So Boone should be out in China in 2018 also. And, uh, it's a, it's a crazy process. And, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm hoping to repeat at some time with either uh, the sequel to Boone or, uh, or another action movie.
0: Did you have the original idea of the, the, sto- the character and the premise? Yeah. And then, um, and it's funny that you mentioned Dog because
3: I, uh, I wanted to do a movie about a bounty hunter because I think bounty hunters are, are cool and they're, they live in this gray area of society. And um, a dog is the most infamous slash famous bounty hunter of all time. And one of the things that he did that actually um, brought him a lot of uh, acclaim from people all over the world was there was a guy that um, I believe he was uh, convicted of rape. And um, he jumped bail and fled to Mexico and um by uh by international law um the u s marshals aren't weren't allowed to cross over and get him and dog took it upon himself to cross the border, throw him in cuffs, and drive him back and um basically hold him accountable for what he'd done and um he uh he faced criminal charges for uh violating international law, but on the other hand um the family of the victims and um there's this outpouring of support for what he'd done. And I just thought that was um, fascinating, which is uh, partly how I got the idea of uh, having Boone go down to Mexico to grass with this drug dealer.
0: In the early days of Dog's reality show, I was a regular. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, it's like anything else. You start losing some cast members. You, there's a the thing about the, an ensemble cast where all your, you know, his sons are involved. I thought that was kind of cool. And his wife, she seemed like she was the uh, pulling the wagon there, you know. <laughs> very
3: strong he the yeah. held it together
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think so i think so so anyway then they started some leaving to do other things it lost a little bit of its magic or its chemistry but i'm with you on that he's a, he's a very compelling character and i believe that there are so many storylines that one could easily create involving a bounty hunter involving boone the bounty hunter because it could be somebody else it could you know there's a million stories of rich guys hiring bounty hunters to go find their son who's on a drug mender in uh, Costa Rica or somewhere, you know, who knows?
3: I'm hoping so. When I was first trying to raise money for Boone, I would I would say, without exaggerating, I had probably 50 meetings with uh, potential financiers and producers at different coffee shops all over Los Angeles. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you're meeting somebody in a coffee shop that's promising to get you money, uh, 99% chance that dude is full of shit. Um,
0: <laughs> He's full of uh, Starbucks bullshit. Yeah,
3: exactly. If you're that successful, they probably have an office.
0: <laughs> but uh, I've, been, I've been pitching it
3: quite a bit as a, as a spinoff TV show, um, as a sequel, and a lot of it is just kind of waiting to see uh, the numbers on, on how Boone does after next year, and uh, I agree. I think there's a ton of things that Boone could get into that would be fun to watch.
0: I think it'd be great, and I certainly will help with all I can to create more awareness for Boone the Bounty Hunter. Now, you guys, we, we have a huge audience, thank God. I'm not bragging about that. As Monsoon would say, junior don't break your arm patting yourself on the back, my boy. <laughs> so, but if you don't do it, nobody's doing it. Someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it, buddy. But internationally, let's say I have a big audience in the U.K., in Ireland. For those folks, what is the easiest way for them to access Boone the Bounty Hunter?
3: Oh man, that's a crazy question that you asked that because we do not currently have a deal in place with a UK distributor. It's something that um, that we're working on, All and right. I'm hoping that uh, that's a something that I'll have an answer
0: to um, in another month or two. Yeah, you can we can come back and update us because I the VOD thing is a like your deal at, on December the seventh for a Court MLW guys. That'll be available on video on demand online for the world to watch on about three days later. Obviously, there's ways to get it to people to access it at, in time. But when you get that information, let me know and we'll spread the word out there. So in the meantime, God, everybody's got a Walmart, folks. Come on, you know that Dollar General. You're exactly right, man. My late wife used to hit that Dollar General and hurt those people. And she bought more worthless nothings, but she felt so accomplished that she'd bought all these things for like. Six bucks. <laughs>
3: As I was about to say, it's not that it's worth it, but you got a good deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: Lucha Underground got renewed for its fourth season. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah, and you're going to go back and – but there, let's make sure we know you're Johnny Mundo. Yes, Johnny
3: Mundo, which, which means – Mundo means world. Mundo oh. is Spanish for All right. world. All right. And originally, it was going to be Johnny World, and uh, it was decided that Johnny World might be hard for fans to chant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we uh, quickly discovered uh, that, um, especially in Mexico. I've been wrestling a lot in Mexico, also. It's a uh, I'm talking about uh, the Mega Champion of AAA, which is the, the biggest promotion down
0: there. Congratulations,
3: um, Johnny Mundo is a. Uh, it's really easy for people to change Mundo into Puto, which is I uh, I don't even know if I can say what that means on the on the on the air. Yeah. But but uh, it's not nice. I'll put it that way. All right, um, <laughs> but it's a uh, for for me. It's uh, it's, it's fun to. Uh, to wrestle with Johnny Mudo, Lucha Underground, to wrestle down there and in, uh, in Mexico. And
0: change, red hot heat down there. you change your game up much based on do you add things or take away things when you go to Mexico or vice versa on the on the set there for Lucha Underground? Or you, I know you're going to be doing a lot, some work for Impact, hence Johnny Impact. Do you change your game at all or much for these different uh, promotions?
3: Quite a bit. It's actually been one of the things that I've been enjoying the most about working for different places. So, um, Lucha Underground, I'm wrestling as a heel. Mexico, I'm, uh, the top heel of the place. So it's, it's kind of fun, actually. Like, uh, I've never really, with WWE, experienced getting, uh, pelted with, uh, with quarters and cans of beer and cups. And almost, like, almost, like, it's, like, uh, it's getting a riot. Um, because at a, at a show, if, uh, if, if fans start throwing stuff like that, they get ejected right away. Which is probably what should happen. But, uh, Man, I mean, I could explain the specific differences, but the broadest differences are Mexico, when I'm down there, I feel like they respond really well to um, chicken-shit heel tactics mm-hmm. combined with explosive, violent offense. Um, that feels like it, when I can get a good combination of that, yeah. um, it gets the best reaction. Leech Underground, it's a, it's TV, and it's a really fast-paced right. TV show, and it's also edited. So, I mean I've there's a there's sometimes where I've had matches where I've actually been upset when I when I watched it back and um I had a cage match with Brian Cage, for example, and um there was a there's a couple big moves we did off the uh the top of the cage. But when we did it we lay in there for a minute and the crowd was chanting and we just laid completely still and then um when I watched the match back on T V <laughs> it was like we both did like this, this crazy superplex and um Two seconds later, we're, uh,
0: we're running oh. a spot. <laughs> it killed the effect of the uh, of the jeopardy. Yeah. It killed the effect of the danger. Yeah, it's like and That goes um, back to what we said earlier about yeah. the guys doing great spots and understanding they're hustling, they're working hard, they're trying to give the audience everything they can. They're trying to keep that that newer version of a fast pace. But you got somewhere in that deal, man, you've got to be talented enough to also sell and right. not leave your game plan. It can be yeah. done.
3: you got to. You gotta hook people and make them, make them believe that, uh, make them believe in you. Absolutely. Um but Lucha is, 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 faster paced. And, uh, like now, we learned by kind of doing that, if, uh, if you go too slow, that's what's gonna happen in the match on TV. And also, it's, uh, kind of what that audience there has been conditioned to, and what the roster has been conditioned to. And, um at Impact, um I haven't wrestled as a, as like just a pure babyface for a while. But, uh, and Impact, that's pretty much what I am. Johnny Impact, the uh, babyface, uh, Johnny Impact, and don't take shit from anybody, and, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's another different type of game. When I, when I first got there, I felt like it was more of a WWE style. And, um, even just over the past couple of months, it feels like the style of Impact has, has started to evolve and change into, a more of a modern style, which, uh, which is exciting, which is...
0: You ha- have to be very time management oriented. I'm sure you are. You've always been a real cerebral kid that we were in the WWE together. That's got to be challenging. I'm in that same boat for a lot of my projects. You know, I'm my own company. I'm, you know, my book tours and I book the t- t- tours and I got, you remember Raphael Morphy, who was an event rep, market rep? He was,
3: uh, impact. I, um, yeah, you know, oh, I, yeah. I had a, I had a long car ride, car ride with him actually, and we, and we talked a lot about, um, you and your book tours because I've just been fascinated by, um, but people in the business who, who do what you've done, you know, really kind of took the ball into your own hands and, and made something of your own. And, uh, it's
0: not easy. No, it's it's not easy. Well, look, you know, I, I told the story that when uh, Vince and I had our last meeting in 2013, I'm leaving the company. We're driving from cars taking me from Stanford to LaGuardia. So I think, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I can the retirement thing was discussed and, you know, financially I could retire. That's good. I, I felt good about right. that. But emotionally I wasn't ready to, turn my jersey in. I want to play a little more. So I said, by the time I got to LaGuardia to fly home, I had made my mind up, I'm going to reinvent. And my reinvention, John, is no different than yours. I had to make a decision, John, retire or reinvent. And by the time I got to LaGuardia, the the decision was simple. I'm going to reinvent and do a few things, write a book maybe, do a podcast maybe, do stage shows, Q&As. I'm doing all those things. And I have fun doing them all. And none of them feel like work. So that's kind of what having these jobs, like you and I have these dream jobs, so to speak. We're doing what we love to do, and somehow we got here, and I don't want to leave. Yeah. I don't want to
3: leave. I think that's extremely well said, because that sums up a lot of the time. Sometimes I think about, uh, when am I going to stop wrestling, or what's the next thing? And um, when I'm uh, when I'm by myself, my mind always races back to, uh, what would I do in this situation in the ring? or What if I had this kind of match, or... or uh, what could I have done differently in WrestleMania? And as long as my mind is racing back to that, it feels like I have a lot more to do in the business still. And as long as I take it seriously, like a like a job, even though you're right, it doesn't feel like a job because I like wrestling, I like training, uh, I like having a wrestling ring in the backyard. <laughs> um, my buddy just just got home. We're gonna we're gonna go work on stuff in a second. <laughs> but I, I like that stuff. It doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like I'm punching in the clock. It feels like I get to go. Uh, do all the stuff that I like. You get to be creative and tell stories in the ring or, uh, figure out when you to tell stories and film and TV. It's funny if you think about how much time you spent doing that stuff. I'm sure you're the same. Um, I just put a lot more hours in to, uh, wrestling and TV and writing and all the, all the stuff that almost anybody else I know with a, a regular nine to five job. It's just, uh, it's more
0: fun. It's a total commitment. And we, we both we're all bitten by it. we, I've been, you know, I thought my gig that started in 1974 uh, was going to be a summertime job between semesters at college, and I was going to go back to the fall and graduate. Nothing didn't happen. I stayed in the wrestling business for 40 plus years on a three month trial, and I had no regrets. I wish I had been disciplined enough to figure out a way before I got. Immensely busy on multitasking in the wrestling business. Somehow, I try to finish my degree. I would like to be a, a college graduate, so uh, but I didn't, and maybe I still will. Hey, that may be the next thing for me. Get my degree. I don't know. That wouldn't hurt nothing. I don't need it.
3: Yeah, that's a cool way. Of, that's a cool way of thinking about it. And you're right. You, you don't need it, but if you wanted it, why
0: not? Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm pulling for you, Boom the bounty hunter, ladies and gentlemen, Walmart, Dollar General, and other places, and uh, check it out. Leave the ratings. The five stars, Rotten Tomatoes, so forth, Amazon, iTunes, all that good stuff. Help John out here. It's good to help a fellow wrestling person, and I appreciate you uh, jumping on here with us, man. Like I said, best of luck to everything you're doing, and again, congrats on your engagement.
3: Thank you. I've always been a a big fan of your work, too, and um, it's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. The Ross Report. The Ross
0: Report. Big thanks to a man of many names, and Johnny will do just fine. John Hennigan joining us here this week. He'll come back next week for part two, and he'll be taking questions that you have sent me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, of which I am a thriving member of those communities. So we'll have part two of that next week with your, a lot of your questions you sent in. And I also enjoy talking to Matt Riddle, as I mentioned. Very refreshing guy, unique point of view, very outspoken in a lot of ways, but a cerebral athlete with a great future. I'm a big fan of Matt Riddle and where he's going. And don't forget now my ringside show coming to Boston with Jeremy Borash will be on Saturday afternoon, December the 16th at Laugh Boston. The show time is 3 o'clock. If you get a VIP ticket for the private meet and greet and the photo ops and the personalized autographs and all that good stuff, that starts at 1. All the information you need is at, at LaughBoston.com. Love to see you there. Uh, JV and I will will damn sure try to entertain you for our holiday show and my last ringside show of 2017 it's been a very interesting 2017 for yours truly again the Slover knocker at amazon.com now amazon uk because i get asked this every day by our loyal fans in the united kingdom and ireland when the book's there and I, i'm told now it's the end so if not tweet me at jrsvvq and let me know don't forget to support the podcast one app brand new app it's really slick clean it helps making all your podcast listening easier more enjoyable i think and, of course, Podcast One is the is the home for the greatest podcasts in the world, no doubt about that, including my, my buddies Steve Austin and Chris Jericho and, and others. Chris Jericho's got his whole network now. He's a one-man conglomerate, plus a cruise director. So it's going to be fun next year on that cruise, I'm telling you. J.R. and the King, the host. Mm-hmm. In any event, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I digress. I have oftentimes been accused of digressing. I had just digressed my last time this week. Don't forget to check out my sponsors at podcastone.com. They keep this show free. And a lot of good people. You know, Wade Keller's got a podcast here, too, at uh, Podcast One. Does a good job, always. And his online work. And I, got, I still get his newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. That's how far behind I am in my reading. I do get Wade's newsletter, Pro Wrestling Torch. So he's got a great podcast. Check that out as well. And uh, all the other guys. You know, Tony Schiavone's podcast. Bruce and this a man about town, Conrad Thompson, got doing good business. Happy for them. Connie! <laughs> His cheeks are cherubs. Such a loving young man. Connie. I think Mr. Barnett's got a thing for Connie. I'm not sure. Don't want to spread rumors. You know how it is on the, on the on the dirt line. Hi, dirt line here. What can we make up or embellish? Thank you. Leave your message at the beat. <coughs> That's a beat. So uh, next week, uh, we're going to catch up on a lot of the other news of the weekend, or this whole preceding week, some reports from some of my projects. We'll have part two with Johnny. Johnny, just call me Johnny. Johnny uh, Hennigan, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Impact. Johnny Yuma was a rebel, and he traveled alone. Uh, we'll have that next week, and I'll have another I have another guest stop by. I, you never know who's going to show up. No shortage of guests. We thank, thank them, and thank you for tuning in on our show every week. Good folks. Next week will be our 200th podcast. Got to do something special with that, right? So we'll have a special 200th edition of the Ross Report next week. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope that you've maximized life's minutes. Always remember, folks, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So on this beautiful day in Oklahoma, home of the Big 12 Conference football champions and Rose Bowl-bound Sooners. And Baker Mayfield, by God, is still our quarterback. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody! Thanks for listening to
1: The Ross Report. Download a brand-new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. Trust the memo, Mr. President. On the memo, sir. sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The
2: most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received a a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. A
1: female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and 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 right. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you can pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.